Welcome to Inspiration to Publication with your host and award-winning editor, Caroline Smith. Now, here's Caroline. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Inspiration to Publication. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are going to be talking about He Said, She Said, the do's and don'ts of writing dialogue. This is going to be a kind of a fun episode, um, so you can take notes or not, but let's go ahead and dive into the fun world of writing dialogue. Dialogue is something that is so incredibly important to your book. Now, if you're writing fiction, children's books, it's incredibly important, but even if you're writing creative uh, nonfiction like a memoir or something along those lines, you're probably going to incorporate a conversation that you are having with someone else or conversations that your characters are having. So we're going to delve into the nitty gritty of why this is super important in children's books in next week's episode that's going to be all about children's books. But I really wanted to kind of give you a primer, if you will, on writing dialogue, especially when it comes to fiction writing. It's really easy to see the mark of a novice writer with dialogue. And the reason that I say that, and, you know, I've been editing books now for almost 12 years, and it's really easy for me to see who has good experience writing dialogue and who maybe doesn't have as much experience writing dialogue. So let's talk about good ways to write dialogue and some exercises that you can do that I often do with my author coaching clients to help you create really captivating dialogue that's going to help advance the plot and create tension and give us some background information on your characters. So the first thing that I want to mention is that dialogue should do work. And what I mean by that is that dialogue should be telling the reader something that we don't already know. So there should be a reason that this dialogue and conversation between these two characters is happening, or three characters or whomever. And the reason that I'm saying that it should do work is that if you've already told us something in exposition, the background information, or in you know the story of the book itself, it doesn't need to be repeated in the dialogue. So dialogue should be revealing things to your reader that we don't necessarily already know. And sometimes a little bit of repetition is okay if you're going to expand on it in some way, but really you want the dialogue to carry the work of being revealing or revealing new things or revealing information to the reader. It should happen within a conversation in most cases. That doesn't mean all cases. You wouldn't necessarily have a book that's all dialogue, although I suppose you could. That might be interesting. Um, and you certainly wouldn't have a book that has no dialogue at least not in the fictional area of things. Um, so this is something that, you know, it compels your reader to continue to read. But also dialogue allows us the opportunity to get to know your characters more. And that's so incredibly important when we're talking about character development. Now, character development in terms of dialogue means that the characters themselves can reveal, like I said, information about what's happening in the overall story, but also about themselves. And the best way to do this is to think about the cadence of speech that your character has. Now, what do I mean by this? So 
there's kind of two parts to this, but really you want to do what I like to call being a student of people. That's kind of the first step. The first step in creating good dialogue is to think about where your characters are from and what you want their overall backstory to be. Now, this isn't necessarily something that has to go in the book itself, but it's just for you as an author to really get a picture of who your character is. I, some of my authors really like to find pictures on the internet of an actor that, you know, kind of reminds them of what their character might look like. Some of my authors do sketches of their characters. But really, I want you to have an image in your mind of who this person is. Where are they from? What do they do for profession? You may know some of this, and it might be important in your fictional book um, or in your nonfiction, but really think about who this person is. Now, I want you to take it a step further because where they're from is going to be hugely important, right? Especially in the United States, in different areas, we have different dialects. And so in the South, I use the term y'all all the time. Southerners have particularly funny and interesting phrases that we use a lot. In the Northeast, the same is true. You know, for all areas of the United States, there are going to be different dialects and accents that we really do want to come out as much as possible in um, your writing. So if I'm writing, I'm just going to use Southerners as an example because it's easiest and it's also a really good example to use when it comes to fiction. But Southerners don't speak grammatically correctly. Really, most people don't speak grammatically correctly. And so it would be important for your character, if they're from the South, to be dropping their G's, using the phrase y'all or something along those lines, um, you know, and, and having all of these different kind of fun aspects to their phrases that is really going to reinforce where they're from. So if you don't know, you know, if you're, let's say you're from Atlanta and you're writing a book about someone in the UK, you would really want to kind of entrench yourself in the language of your character to really understand the best way to have their speech come out and their cadence and their, you know, uses of phrases and things like that. Um, and that's going to be hugely important to the overall character development, because if you have a disconnect there, if you're, you know, let's just use an example of, you know, you've got a very intellectual Southern character, their speech is going to be different from that of a person who may be not so intellectual or academically inclined, who's also a Southerner. So there's going to be different words that they use, and we want that to feel in character with the person that you've described on the page already. Or not. You know, if you have, it could be really intriguing to create a character who is a gas station owner um, in the South, but has a degree from Harvard, right? And so sometimes those disconnects are intentional, but more often than not, we want them to be intentional and we want them to match the image that we've created in our minds for your character so that their speech reflects who they are as an individual. So keep a lot of those things in mind. It's important that when we hear someone speak in our head, right, in our imagination, that it matches the picture that you've given us. So this is what I like to call creating a mind in the movie of the reader, right? So you're giving us all of these different hints about who this character is, and it's coming out in the way you've described them, but it's also coming out in the way that they speak and interact with other people. Another reason that this is really important is when it comes to dialogue tags or dialogue markers 
in my years of being in publishing, I've heard it called different things by different people. Um, but really, it's after the person says something and what happens after they speak. Now, sometimes if you have a really long conversation, you're not going to have a lot of dialogue tags. It's just going to be a conversation back and forth. And it's okay to not include a ton of dialogue tags when that's happening. But for the most part, you don't want to have someone speak and then say, he said, and then someone else speaks and it says, she said, he said, she said. That gets really tiring really quickly and we lose the thread of the pacing of the story and being able to see what's happening after that person is speaking. And again, this speaks to character development and action in your piece because we're able to see and understand the movement the body language of what's happening with that person while they're speaking. You could be creating a really intense scene between two characters and one of them is like gritting his teeth and saying something that doesn't match what his body language says, but he's gripping onto the back of a chair and his knuckles are turning white. So that's what we would be the dialogue tag. Um, you know, and you could say something like, you know, why did you come here? And then that's your dialogue. And then the dialogue tag would be, he said, as he gripped the chair menacingly or something like that. You know, you want to give us the language that's happening of the person in that dialogue tag to help create that movement. So when you're watching movies, this is kind of a fun exercise to watch some really good dialogue or a good conversation um, that someone is happening in a film and see what they're doing. How are they moving around the room? How are they interacting with the other person? If I have a character who's really shy, I might have her say something and she blushes or she ducks her head and lifts her shoulders. I want to show that to my readers in the book so that I can really reinforce her shyness because that's going to speak to who she is as an overall character. Dialogue tags are hugely important. They are not as important in children's books. It's okay in those to say he said, she said. Mostly because in children's books, it's not necessary to give a whole lot of dialogue tags, depending on the age of the child and, and the grade level that you're writing for. But again, we'll get into that next week when we talk about children's books. But I really want you to keep in mind that using these dialogue tags, I don't want you to get overwhelmed by them. But there's a really good exercise that I like to suggest to my author coaching clients that I want to also give to you. I want you to find one of your favorite books. If you're writing fiction, obviously, look for fiction. Um, but if you're really looking for a good indicator of dialogue, then find one of your favorite fictional books, preferably in the genre that you're writing. Now, let me disclaim here that I am not advocating for plagiarism on any level, but I do want you to take a couple of paragraphs of that dialogue and conversation. And then what I want you to do is type it or copy and paste it if you have the ability to do so. But then I want you to change the conversation that they're having to a conversation that your characters are having. Keep the dialogue tags the same for now, but I want you to focus mostly on the dialogue. So Input whatever your conversation your characters might have there, and then play around with those dialogue tags. This is a really good way to see how effective dialogue is working and to use it as an example in your own work. Now, I don't want you to use this in your work, right? This is, you know, a conversation that someone else has written, but I want you to just kind of use it as 
let's call it a template to help you see and understand the way effective dialogue is working. Because sometimes, you know, we get stuck in our heads and we're not really sure how to write dialogue or what these people need to say. And so this is a good way to kind of help us move into how to write dialogue well. So again, I really don't want you to use that exercise in your own work. I want you to come up with your own new ideas, but I do want you to be able to see how to do it effectively. And this is a lot of what we do in creative writing and, you know, in MFA programs and workshops and things like that. We look at other people's writing as an example of our own craft. How do we make our craft better? I'm going to pull apart these sentences and diagram these sentences and see how this sentence is working effectively. I mean, really, literally on a grammatical level, um, you know, and kind of pull it apart and see how it's working and see how I could do something similar in my own work. That's kind of a hallmark of being a good writer is looking at what other people are doing well and trying to kind of emulate that in a way, not copy it, but certainly emulate it. Something else that I want you to think about in terms of dialogue and why it's effective, and I mentioned, you know, that you don't need to really be repeating anything, but something to consider is where you're using dialogue. You don't want to put it in a place where it doesn't seem like it would flow naturally. There's going to be, you're going to have some exposition. That's, again, the background information that you're imparting to your reader more often than not. Some writers really love exposition. Some writers don't love exposition. But if you have a huge long page or let's say even a chapter of exposition, it would feel weird to have dialogue peppered in there. However, there are some cases where we can use dialogue as something called remembered speech. And the way this works is you can have your character remember a conversation that's happening and kind of tell it to the reader that way. That's a good way to use it in exposition. But I say that with the caveat of saying that more often than not, remembered speech can be turned into dialogue. There's a lot of different ways to play with this in your manuscript, and I would encourage you to do that. You could write it as remembered speech, or you could have your character kind of go back in time and have a remembered moment where they're in this conversation, and then your reader is also grounded in the conversation, and we can see it happening in front of us. So I want you to look for places in your manuscript when you're going through and doing your self-editing where you might be able to turn a remembered conversation into actual lines of dialogue. Similarly, you may have conversations that your reader's having from a time before, and you need to turn that into remembered speech. So just play with those things and see which one you like better. But I always recommend when you're doing your self-editing process, going through, especially in fiction books, and finding anywhere that's, you know, a remembered conversation and see if that needs to stay a remembered conversation or if it could be a scene that you're putting us more fully into that's happening in the present. And maybe that is with a moment of memory or taking us back into the past to kind of relive that moment, but something certainly to keep an eye out for because sometimes remembered speech can slow down the pacing of a book. And sometimes an, an active conversation can speed up the pacing of a book. So it's really just, you know, first of all, it's whatever makes you happy. But also, how does it feel as far as the flow and the pacing are concerned to do remembered speech versus um, 
an active conversation. Something else that kind of goes in with remembered speech is reported speech. So this would be where someone is telling us that someone said something. And this is fully in the present, but we're recalling a conversation or we're saying, you know, well, she told me blah, 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 blah. So if you have instances like that, similarly, you want to look out for those and see if you can make that an active conversation or you're telling your reader about the conversation that happened. So let's say I have a scene with two characters who are sitting and talking about something, and I'm just telling my reader what their conversation is about. Most often, not always, but most often, you can turn that conversation into an actual moment of dialogue between your characters. And that's going to make us feel more deeply connected to the characters that you're putting in front of us as well. So going back a little bit to this idea of, you know, regional dialects and things like that. Um, I also want to mention that writing dialogue really should not be too formal. This is not, again, something where we need people to speak grammatically correctly. We don't need them to speak in SVDO, subject, verb, direct, object type sentences. We want them to kind of drift a little bit in their conversation. If your character stutters, that should be reflected in the dialogue. If your character, you know, I have a friend who kind of does this, has this habit of like dropping words mid-sentence. So like they'll start the conversation and then they kind of drift off and their mind wanders elsewhere And sometimes it's like, okay, wait, come back, (laughs) come back to the conversation. But if you have a character like that, you could certainly include, um, you know, dropping off just with ellipses is the way you would do that or pausing or there's all kinds of different ways. But we really don't want dialogue to be too formal unless that's a requirement from your character. If you have a character who's overly formal, then obviously you would want to include that in their speech. Otherwise, though... We want the way that they're speaking to really sound like them. Something that I um, often tell my author coaching clients about, too, is that Mark Twain, in order to really embody his characters, used to stand in front of a mirror and he would put different hats on so that he could see how that person walked and how they spoke and he would talk out loud to himself and he would just really become this character to really get an understanding of who they are and what they sounded like and what their speech was like and how they held their bodies. And and I think that's a really great way to bring your character to life. So if you want to do that, get all dressed up in, in the way your character might, then go ahead and do that. Or if just having an image on from the internet is helpful for you, then do that too. Um, I kind of do a combination of things. Mostly I do a lot of pacing up and down my hallway when I'm working on something. Um, but I, it helps to hear the conversation between the characters sometimes. So I'll say it out loud to see how it sounds. Um, not always, but often I will employ that technique. But I do also keep images of the characters that I'm creating or that I've been inspired by um, on in a Word document so that I can see them and sometimes remind myself how they might speak. And it's interesting because, you know, especially if you're writing a a period piece where you're talking about someone from a long time ago, something that you also need to keep in mind is phrasing that they're using. I worked on a book one time that was set in the 1920s, and one of the things that I actually ended up doing in the editorial process was looking up words and when they came into being. 
So I would, you know, there were a couple of times that he used a word that maybe didn't come out until the 1960s. And as a, a reader and editor, it felt wrong that he was using this term. And so I would kind of say, well, this term wasn't invented until, you know, 1970 something. So maybe we don't need to include include that. Here's an, a different option. But certainly if you're doing a historical or period piece, then that is also something to keep in mind that there may be turns of speech that we use currently in our modern era that were not used at the time that your book would have been written or set, right? Um, let's see, what else do I want to make sure I cover for you guys today? So we've talked about how dialogue can create tension. We don't want to repeat information that we already know. Really utilizing dialogue well in reported speech and remembered speech. Something that I will mention here, since this is pertinent to the topic of dialogue and children's books, is that your vocabulary that you're using in your children's books with your dialogue needs to be appropriate for the age level that you're writing. So if you have a two-year-old that's speaking, you wouldn't have them use a word that, you know, a 15-year-old would say or an adult. So that's something hugely important to keep in mind, not only if you're writing children's books, but especially if you're writing childlike characters or characters who are children in your fictional books, because this is something, again, that you want the speech and the way that someone is speaking to match the overall sense of who we have as this reader. But really, the most important thing to keep in mind is that you want to feel like this is an actual conversation. So spend some time reading books that do this well, and in whatever genre that you're writing in, if you feel like there's a good scene of dialogue in a book that you love, just read it and see what the author is doing, if that's just the first step. But the other thing is to really pay attention to the dialogue when you're in your self-editing process. I think a lot of people tend to think that dialogue is kind of a throwaway, and it's sometimes not really necessary, and, you know... A lot of people hate writing dialogue, but it's so much fun to really finally be able to hear how a character is speaking and what the author feels like they would sound like. So dialogue can be so much fun to write. It allows your characters to be playful. It gives us a little bit of a mystique. Sometimes, you know, it's that whole kind of dramatic irony that we're able to create with dialogue. And if you remember back to your high school days of reading plays and Shakespeare and things like that, your character could reveal something through dialogue that's a lie or that we know is not true as readers, but they're telling someone else in front of them that it is true. So dialogue can be so much fun and so playful. It just really allows us the opportunity to be hugely creative and very playful when it comes to our characters, if that's what your book calls for. So allow dialogue to work with you and for you and not against you. That's pretty much it for today. One thing that I want you to keep in mind in terms of don't writing dialogue is just that you should include it. Dialogue is so much fun. And sometimes, you know, you just have an idea for a conversation and you can just put it in. Or maybe it's even a conversation that you've heard. And so you just take those notes and you you know, included in your book. Um, and so a lot of the conversation that we have can be inspired from real life. So if you're ever feeling stuck on dialogue, don't feel like you shouldn't include it, but go out into the world and become a student of people 
and see how people interact with each other and don't eavesdrop necessarily, but listen to conversations that are happening in a coffee shop or on a film or anywhere like that to help you understand and get an idea of the way people speak, what they're doing when they speak to each other, and just really creating a whole three-dimensional or multi-dimensional character within your work. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. Again, next week we're going to talk about children's books, and then we're going to do a nice little series on the different types of publishing, self-publishing, traditional publishing, and hybrid publishing. So thanks again. I hope you have an amazing week, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Inspiration to Publication with Caroline Smith. For more information or to contact Caroline, go to EditorCaroline.com. Today's episode was brought to you by Rhapsody in Blooms, specializing in elegant weddings and events across the Southeast. For more information, visit RhapsodyInBlooms.com.